This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. After days of anticipation, finally, Game 3 tonight. Nuggets at Heat. Coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. And there's one very clear question with one very clear answer. Who tonight needs to step up? Who tonight has the most pressure? Not team, but one individual. And the answer to me is clear. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80 on your smart speakers. Just ask him to play ESPN Radio. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And Harry, this is simple to me. When we start talking about pressure tonight, when you start talking about what's on the line, I'm not talking about teams. I'm not talking about coaches. I'm talking about the guys on the court. And I can look around clearly and see one very specific answer. To me, when you start talking about who has pressure, I think you agree here. Jamal Murray is the one tonight that has to step up for the Nuggets. Yeah, I agree 1,000% Fitz. And the reason that is is because – when you looked at Jamal Murray in game two, he didn't get things done on the defensive end. And we know what he's capable of doing from an offensive uh, standpoint, but the mental breakdowns that he had defensively didn't help the Denver Nuggets in their case in winning game two. He had multiple moments where closing out on shooters, one of the times against Duncan Robinson, he closed out uh, lackadaisical, and Duncan Robinson went around him and got an and one. That's three points right there. It was another time when the shot clock was winding down, and which he should have forced Duncan Robinson to shoot a long, long-range three-pointer and take his chances, but instead he goes for the head fake. Duncan Robinson dribbles around him, pulls up for a three, six points right there. More of the story, they lost by three. So I think when you look at Jamal Murray, his overall game defensively, I don't, I didn't think it was there. Also, his three-point shooting, not just in game two, but game one. He was only two for seven in game one, three for eight in game two. With that being said, he was five for 15 in this series, only 33%. And the last thing that I have, the free throw shooting. The inability of Jamal Murray being able to get to the free throw line I think it's hurting the Denver Nuggets. He's only shot in three free throws in the first two games versus the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals versus the Lakers in the last three games alone. The last three games, he was 16 for 17 from the free throw line, 94%. Harry, there's so much of what you just said that I agree with, but also Mike Malone, the Nuggets head coach, agrees with it too. This is what he said on NBA on ESPN Radio about Jamal Murray specifically needing to get going. When Jamal is assertive and aggressive, uh, that's when he's at his best. And I felt, and really until that final stretch, when he kind of got going and making threes and got us back into the game, I felt prior to that, he was there, he was playing, but not to the level that I know he's capable of. And that starts with an aggressive mindset, looking to score, looking to get downhill. They're going to switch a lot of pick and rolls so we can get Jimmy off of him and he can attack other areas. You can hear the full interview tonight ahead of Game 3 on ESPN Radio. Again, coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And, Harry, I keep thinking about everything you mentioned. And when you talk about shooting better, you talk about needing to get to the free throw line, you talk about needing to play better defense. I also think you need better shot selection. And realistically, what have I been saying since we started the playoff conversation about the Nuggets? We've been talking about Jamal Murray with the word efficiency. One of the things that really has been given to him by being a teammate of Jokic is opportunities to be efficient in scoring. The fact that we just saw such a 
dud of a game in game two means that right now everybody's got their eyes open and eyes focused because we don't have proof of concept. We haven't seen the Nuggets here before. We haven't seen Jamal Murray in this moment before. A bad game is something that everybody can just sort of let go. Two bad games in a row in the finals creates a narrative. If Jamal Murray wants to stop the narrative, he needs to come out and show everybody that while we presume Spolster and the Heat have been getting ready for it, we need to also presume that Jamal Murray has watched the film, has seen his problems, and comes out more aggressive with a better way to fix it. And I'll tell you the funny thing about it all, fits because... You know, the normal human eye would look at the box score and say, okay, Jamal Murray was 7 for 15 from the field and had 18 points, 10 assists. That should have been enough. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's how it looked to the naked eye from people who actually watch the game and understand what they're viewing while watching it. Like Coach Malone just said, I thought personally that Jamal Murray needed to be more aggressive, and that allows him to get to the free throw line when you're forcing the issue versus letting everything try to come to you and just taking crazy shots. Yeah, he was 7 for 15, but what if he got wide open looks versus the contested looks? Also, you see Jimmy Butler on you? Tell Jokic to come set the screen. Or tell someone who is a solid screen setter to come set the screen so you know that the screen is going to be solid. So now you have a different defender on you. Now you can go to work. Now you can attack more. Right? But you look at that last play of the game where I would have liked to see him, you know, force the issue against Gabe Vincent instead of calling for the pick when you see Jimmy Butler is guarding Jokic. And now Jimmy Butler, their best defender, ends up on you. So he has to be more aggressive. Also, he has to be assertive on that defensive end because if he's not assertive on that end, the same thing that happened in game two potentially could happen in game three. And that's the Miami Heat taking advantage of guys being lazy, not being 100% locked in, not communicating correctly on the defensive end, and now they're getting the wide-open looks more so than the Denver Nuggets are. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And the word you just said that sort of makes my skin crawl a little bit because of some of the things I've said in these playoff runs – is solid. And let me let me, let me just boil this down for a second because one thing I said a couple of weeks ago to you when we were talking about the play of Jamal Murray, I used the word superstar. And you quickly came back and said, you know what? Not superstar, star. There's a difference between superstar and star. You got to earn superstar, right? Like we've yep. talked in these playoffs about how you got to earn superstar. And then after game one, even after the Eastern Conference Finals, I said, look, Jamal Murray is doing that. He's becoming a household name. We acquiesce that like he's becoming a superstar, right? Solid is a way to describe some of the moments that we've seen from Jamal Murray. Solid just ain't good enough. Like the expectation right now, if you are the Denver Nuggets, is that you have two superstars. That has got to be the expectation, which means two guys, not just Jokic, two guys, Jokic and Murray, have to play like superstars. And this is what happens with raised attention. This is what happens with more eyeballs. Like, raised scrutiny comes with the platform that Mike Malone, the head coach of the Nuggets, has been saying we aren't giving his team. We're giving you that team, that platform now. When everybody's looking at it, the expectations rise. Jamal Murray can't afford to come out tonight and be good. Jamal Murray has to come out tonight and be great. And he has to be great in that way where you feel like he's capable of taking over. When he has done that, the Nuggets look virtually unstoppable. When he hasn't done that, and you watch the Nuggets lose a game that, let's be clear, they could have won. Then you look at it. When you're you're in a game in the NBA Finals and your team could have won and all you gave was a solid performance, that ain't good enough for a superstar. You have to see Jamal Murray come out tonight and say, I will be dominant if the Nuggets want to be able to affect this this momentum and turn this thing back around into their series. Yeah, I agree. And he's going to have to force the issue. 
right? Get downhill. It's not like the, the Miami Heat have an enforcer in the middle that's going to block shots and keep you from, you know, getting and ones and scoring in the paint and scoring in the lane. They don't have an enforcer defensively at the rim, protecting the rim like that. So you should be trying to get into the paint. I understand his jump shot is phenomenal, right? And if you have to shoot the mid-range jump shot, shoot the mid-range jump shot, but make sure it's a high-quality shot versus one, one of those contested looks, uh, in which you have the capability of knocking down. But I would take a great shot over a decent shot any day. I mean, great shot or be a great facilitator. How many times have we seen on social media the screenshots of everybody converging on Jamal Murray, the rest of his team being wide open? Like, part of what we're seeing right now is the beauty of the way Nikola Jokic facilitates when he can facilitate. And now we're looking at Jamal Murray saying, well, you should do the same. And they have. Like, I don't think we're holding Jamal Murray to any sort of a strange expectation. We are All we're doing right now is saying, man, what we learned in game one is that if Jokic has to take this entire thing on his back and they take away the ability for Jokic to facilitate the way he wants to, that means somebody else is going to have to make them pay for that. I, I, I will say till I'm blue in the face that the Nuggets scored enough points, but they didn't get enough from their superstars to win in game one. They didn't get enough defensively from Murray. You're right. They also didn't get enough production from Murray. You're right. When you look across the board, if Murray comes out and sucks tonight – our conversation tomorrow is going to be wildly, did we overestimate who Jamal Murray is? If he comes in tonight and plays the way he can play, the way he played in the Eastern Conference Final, the way he's played throughout the whole playoffs, if he has that efficient level of we're beating everybody, then we're going to be reminded that this series is not just about Miami and their adjustments. It's about Denver's two stars being better than the rest of Miami's roster. And here's the last thing that I would say to seal this conversation. Jamal Murray? If you come out and you only have 18 or 16 points in this game, I would say, you know what, it's okay. But if you're excellent defensively, it makes up for it. Because now you're not just giving the Miami Heat easy buckets. You're defending and you're taking pride in it. So now you're not just giving them easy looks. You're making them earn things. That's the thing. You got to make the Miami Heat earn everything that, they're, that they get. You can't give them freebies. So even if he is an excellent fits. If he plays stifling defense and he's excellent on that side of the court, they, the Denver Nuggets will still be okay, though. That's, that's the point. That speaks to what you said earlier. You can't just look at the box score, right? Like, impact is going to be felt. We need to feel Jamal Murray through this whole game. Like, it has to be clear that Jamal Murray is in this game taking over. Tune in Game 3 of the NBA Finals tonight, presented by Indeed. Finally, coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80, as you just heard there. Michael Malone, the head coach, great interview. Want to hear all of it tonight? You can tune in at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations to check that out before the game, also on Sirius XM Channel 80. So, for all this conversation about Jokic and Murray, they're getting a ton of credit right now. But there's another duo in the West that should be trusted did more moving forward. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
are Jason and Harry hot on? So hot. So hot. And what are they cool on? It's in or out. Are you in or out? On Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. And we've been talking a lot about duos ahead of tonight's matchup in the NBA Finals. We got game three, and all eyes are going to be on the dynamic duo of Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Well, has us thinking about in or out. Fitz and Harry brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. When you start talking about in or out, we're going to look at dynamic duos. And here's the caveat, all right, Harry? We're not just going to look at dynamic duos in or out generally. I'm talking about dynamic duos to win a championship, all right? Not what they've done in the past. Right now, today, moving forward, we don't get to count their their extra side pieces, none of that action coming in. It's just these two. Do you trust Batman and Robin, Batman and Batman? Do you trust Spider-Man and Superman? Do you trust these duos to win a championship moving forward. Are you ready for this exercise, Eric? Let's go, baby. All right, so Devin, play us uh, the sound of God, the voice of God. Well, we always call this the voice of God, but can we acknowledge, like, I wouldn't be surprised if God, like, comes out and like, hello. Anyway, uh, play us the voice of God. Give us the first team we're looking at. The Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, so the 76ers out of the gate. You start with that one. We're talking about Embiid and Harden. Harry, do you trust Embiid and Harden to win a championship moving forward? I do not. I do not. Um, when I look at James Harden, I think – him being so sporadic, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, one game, he's phenomenal. Two games, you don't see him. Two games, you do see him. Three more games, he's, he disappears again. But then we also when you look at Joel Embiid, and he won the MVP this year, I think one of the things that's hurt the Philadelphia 76ers this year and last year is the health of Joel Embiid in, into the playoffs. You know, two years ago, it was an orbital fracture in his face. And then this year, it was the knee. I think moving forward, Joel Embiid, one of his goals should be to be able to get through the entire playoffs healthy. But I don't believe in James Harden being the one of the anchors to lead Philadelphia to a championship. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I am out. In the in or out, I am out on the 76ers with this duo, mostly because I, I don't even know what to expect. If Harden's still going to be part of the roster, if he is part of the roster, is is there going to be some kumbaya that makes him feel all sorts of valued that we know matters in this process? I, I'm out on everything with uh, with this dynamic duo being a championship duo moving forward. Again, it's in or out. Are we in or out on this duo moving forward to win a championship? Dev, who do we got next? The Dallas Mavericks. Oh, God. Harry, I mean, I, I'll let you answer this while I just sit here with a look of disgust on my face because you know my answer. Go ahead. I'm, I'm out. Uh, if we haven't learned anything about the NBA Finals, especially in Game 2 and the Denver Nuggets being phenomenal offensively, you have to play defense. And when I look at Luke and Kyrie, anything, everything about those two says offense. Nothing says defense. I don't think Luke is going to be bought in on the defensive end. Kyrie is going to do what he's able to do, but I don't think he's going to be one of those defensive stoppers as well on top of it. So they're just going to try to outscore everybody. Plus, you know, the Dallas Mavericks lost a lot in that trade to get Kyrie Irving. And those pieces that they lost played pivotal roles on their basketball team. So I do not see this duo winning the NBA championship. Yeah, if this duo could win a championship, there wouldn't be so much chatter about whether or not they need to add players like LeBron at this team. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm out, out, out. All right, who do you got next, Devin? The Phoenix Suns. Oh, okay. Now we get now we get interesting. What do you Ooh. think? In or out? The Phoenix Suns dynamic duo of Devin Booker and KD to win uh, a championship moving forward. All right, people, don't get mad at me when I say this. Mm-hmm. Because I am 
I am. I am in on this duo being able to win a championship. And what gives me hope, how phenomenal these two guys were in the playoffs and when they played together in the regular season for the few games that they did. What gives also gives me hope is that this duo hasn't been together for an entire year. They haven't been together for an offseason. Now they get that opportunity. And I think moving forward, they will be able to bring a championship to the Phoenix Suns. I'm with you, actually. So far, we agree on everything. I'm in on this one mostly because I believe so much in the talent of these two players. When they've had the opportunity to play together a little bit, they're only going to get better like fine wine. They won't have any depth for the Suns, but, I mean, if I'm banking forward, then at least I can say, hey, I I would rather bet on these two players in no depth than any of the players we've talked about so far and depth around them. So we're in on this one. What do you got next for us, Deb? The Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, so the Bucks were going to go Giannis and Middleton. In or out Giannis and Middleton to win a championship moving forward? I'm going to go out because Milwaukee has some decisions to make. And I don't know if it'll be Giannis and Middleton. It may be Giannis and someone else. So I'm in on Giannis, but I'm not in on Middleton. So this duo... It's not going to win another championship, so I'm out on that one. If I was a casting director right now, I feel like I like all these Batmans. Like, I like Embiid, you know, I love Giannis. I like all these Batmans. It's all the Robins so far that I'm like, eh, eh. Am I in on Giannis and Middleton? Eh. It would have been better better if it was Giannis and Drew Holiday, honestly. I mean, the the interesting thing is I'm semi-in on Giannis and almost anybody. I just got to feel like I'm out on that. Well, the, you know the, what? The, the in, injury, oh, wait, wait, wait. I am the injury such, history for Middleton is, uh, I am you know, really showed up. I am year. such a believer in Giannis, and I'm such not a believer in the rest of the East to be able to replicate this year in and year out. I will go in on this. I think Giannis, almost alone, if everything else around him is right, could win a championship. He's that stinking good. So I'll go hey, in on this. You do, have, you do have a point. Should, well, I change my, should I change my answer? I love variety. Spice of life. You're like, okay. you know. All right. All right. All right. Forget it then. Let's go. What do we got next, Em? The Boston Celtics. Oh, so we got Brown and Tatum. In or out, Brown and Tatum winning a championship. This is going to be an easy one, and it's not going to be a surprise for anyone, my answer. I'm in on this. we got to remember, Jason Tatum is 25 years old. Jalen Brown is 26 years old. Jalen Brown's probably going to get that super max along with Jason Tatum the following year. I think this duo was going to be able to grow from two seasons ago, grow from this year, and be able to bring a title to Beantown. It's amazing you can be so right and so wrong all at the same time, Harry, because you're right. This is easy, <laughs> but you're wrong. It's not an easy in. It's an easy out for me. Like, I, at some point, I got to look at these guys and say, if not now, then when? And the answer every year is, well, not now, but next year. It doesn't seem like they like each other anymore. I'm not confident in any of their ability to go moving forward to figure out the kumbaya, play together, and, and, and get the magic sauce at this point. Like, I can only have the football moved on me so many times when I run up to kick. It keeps happening with Boston. They find weird ways to lose, so for that reason, I am out on this duo. Also, $600 million for this? Mm-mm. Not, not my money. Whew. All right, who do you H- got? Hater. Yeah. Hey, j- just drink some of that hater, eh? Get us one more real quick, Deb. The Los Angeles Lakers. So we go in LeBron and AD. I mean, mm. I'm, I'll just say quickly, I'm out on this one. I, I, I can't, I can't trust either of them to be healthy. We know that for a whole season, they got on a nice little run uh, in this, in this semi, or in this year's playoff. But I'm not trusting them to stay healthy moving forward. Nah. Yeah, I'm out on this one too. I think their best chance to win another championship was this season. And they squandered that one by getting swept by the Denver Nuggets. Now, if you would have told me 
you know, it's a trio, and we're talking about LeBron, AD, and probably Trey Young because the Lakers traded for him, then I was, I'll be all in for that. But, okay, but, I like that, but what if they have to trade AD as part of that? What if it's LeBron and Trey Young? I need to know who's the big. I mean, they no, got to have a big. We're just you talking have about a big. dynamic. We're just talking about duos, all right? Uh, and also, okay. like, why I, you got to know I, I, about I the like... big? Like, size doesn't matter. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> Let me stop. We, we're done. We're done. We're done. That's it. <laughs> We're not going off the rails within the first hour. We're not doing it. All I said was I didn't care about the bigs because size doesn't matter in the modern NBA. I don't know what you're talking about, Harry. You took that a much different way. All right, coming up, one NFL expert thinks the Jets' big move for Aaron Rodgers won't mean a damn thing. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. As soon as they made the trade and got Aaron Rodgers, they immediately are in the Super Bowl conversation. I think he is going to play great. It's, it's kind of the easy pick right now, the sexy pick, because Aaron Rodgers is there. I think it's a legit pick because I think he's all in. Aaron brings the level up, obviously, to New York. They put them right underneath the field. It's great seeing how he approached every day, you know, when he got the facility. He's been at OTAs, just grinding, man. So, you know, it's just great to have him around. Oh, I didn't even realize it was Wednesday until I heard that song and realized it's White Folk Wednesday on the music, which means unlimited journey, really. Unlimited journey. And I'm not even going to apologize for it because I'm a middle-aged white guy and he gives me all the right feels. Fitz and Harry on ESPN <laughs> Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry, like, I'm just going to ask. I know we got football to get to. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Like when Journey comes on, group of you know, group of black people, like you guys, you guys, everybody, does everybody just take a pause and let it hit their emotions? Because I'm telling you, if you have three or more white people in a room and Journey starts, conversation stops. Everybody start like you want to hold whoever's next to you. A hand goes in the air. You're ready for the feels. Like I, I don't know if that happens in your. I feel, I feel the same way. I feel okay. the same way. Okay, look it, at this. But it's just it's just one of those, especially this song. Like it's one of those songs where you automatically feel it as soon as you hear it come comes on. You know. You know, I I, I feel like the next time we're in the same city, we should have somebody film it, play this while we start running down the hallway for a long embrace. All right, Fitz and Harry. Now that I've made everybody uncomfortable, that's what I do. Uh, speaking of making people uncomfortable, the great Bill Barnwell, friend, friend of the show. And when I say we respect the hell out of Bill Barnwell, it's true. In fact, Bill has had harsh things to say about my beloved Raiders in the past. And when I've gone to him on text and been like, how could you? He's always justified it in a way. And guess what? He's never been wrong. When it comes to the way he's seen what's upcoming for my favorite team, seems like every year he nails it. I remind you of that because he has plenty to say about what's coming in this year's NFL season, not in, not limited to what he thinks is going to happen for the Jets. In fact, Harry, 
He said the Jets are going to finish in last place in the AFC East. This is what he said on Get Up about why. They were in last place last year. It's not like this is that insane of a, of a thought. And I'll point this out as well. They were 7-10 and 10 last year. When they had to play the opposing team's starting quarterback, or the, their primary quarterback, I should say, they were 2-8. and eight. When they were playing the backups, when they were playing Trubisky, when they were playing the third stringers, they were 5-2. and two. This is not a team that was as close to winning a Super Bowl as I think they have put out there. Now, they'll be better with Aaron Rodgers, but I think they're just not as good of a team as we're, we're sort of suggesting. Oh, wrong, 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 and more wrong. <laughs> what Bill forgot to mention is that he gave you the numbers about all the opposing team quarterbacks. I don't think Bill realized that the Jets were basically playing with a third-string quarterback the entire year. It doesn't matter which one it was. If it was a starter, the second string, or the third string, they played like a third string. Because no quarterback on the New York Jets roster completed over 60% of their passes the entire season. Not one of them. And three of them seen action and seen time last year. So now you, you're inserting a guy in Aaron Rodgers. Now he's going to be able to connect with Garrett Wilson that much more. Alan Lazard is going to play a role. I think the tight ends are going to play a larger role. On top of getting your running back back. I just don't see it with the Jets. I don't, I don't see what Bill Barnwell sees because you're talking about a top five defense. You're talking about a quarterback that's more than competent, a guy who's been multiple, uh, won multiple MVPs. He's won a Super Bowl in two years that he won the most recent MVPs that he did, he threw 85 touchdowns and nine interceptions. I think that quarterback play alone is going to be able to help the New York Jets push through and be able to make the playoffs. Better yet, they're not going to finish last in the AFC East. I have the New England Patriots in that position. And with better quarterback play, the Jets will ascend and be able to make the playoffs this year. So here's the thing. I, I don't think it fits in Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I don't think you can improve at the most important position in all of sports and then not presume that the team will improve. Right, Aaron Rodgers is a drastic improvement for the New York Jets. As a result, I expect an improvement from the New York Jets. As Bill points out, last year they finished in fourth. This year, I think there's a pretty good chance they finish in third in their division. There is improvement, and and I do believe that they're better than the Patriots. I think the Patriots are getting way too much benefit of the doubt right now from people because you know last year I know they were eight and nine. They were also hindered by the lack of competent coaching and terrible quarterback play. So you know I'm sure Patriots fans are yelling and screaming. Well, this year we have the proper coordinators, and that means we're going to get the most out of Mac Jones. Thing of it is, you get the most out of Mac Jones. If Mac Jones has the best year of his career, I believe that the Patriots will still have the fourth best quarterback in their own division, right? Like, so great. You might get more out of Mac, but they're still going to be. Uh, look at the AFC East and look at last year. And, and uh, look, I know points aren't the only metric we study, but here's the this is what's amazing. The Bills last year scored 455 points and only gave up 286. Think about that. The Bills last year gave up 40 points, basically 30 points less than the Jets over the course of the season and scored 160 more. Like, the Bills are that stinking good. That's why I continue to say over and over again, I believe the Bills are still going to be the AFC East champions. But we've talked a lot about the fact that the Dolphins, if Tua is healthy, 
my God, the Dolphins are right in line with the Bills in talent overall. The Dolphins are right in line. They played, they finished last year better than the Jets, also with incompetent quarterback play. So I'm looking at the Dolphins saying, here's a team. If I apply universal benefit of the doubt, which means everything goes right, universal benefit of the doubt, the Bills just add some pass rushing help, they're still a double-digit win team. Universal benefit of the doubt, Tua stays healthy, Miami's a Super Bowl contender. Universal benefit of the doubt, the Jets get greatness from Aaron Rodgers. They're a 10-11 win team. I just think, unfortunately, this year, 10 or 11 wins might make you third in the AFC East. Like, it's going to be wild to see how this thing plays out. Well, I'm looking at the two games. Well, I'm looking at one against New England, which, you know, they basically lost with a punt return <laughs> return for a touchdown. Stupid. Right? Then they lost the second game 10-3. to Zach Wilson threw for 77 yards. So that's two games right there that they easily could have won if they had competent quarterback play. You look at the game against Minnesota in which they lost by five points, and that's the game that Braxton Berrios drops a touchdown in the end zone that could have basically sealed the game for them to win that one. Then you had another one against Buffalo up at Buffalo that they lost 20-12 to in which they had the football at the end to have an opportunity to go down and score a touchdown and a two-point conversion, but Mike White couldn't get that done. They lost 20-17 to to the Detroit Lions, and then the last game of the year that they lost 11-6. to to the Miami Dolphins, if they had competent quarterback play, they would have easily, easily been a playoff team and been able to make some noise, I believe, in the playoff with the uh, defense that they actually have. Now you do have that quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, and things could get scary for a lot of people because Aaron Rodgers is on a vengeance. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part about it is, to your point, the number of Mike Hoods, the number of close moments for the Jets, and the number of things that we can't have it both ways. We can't sit here and constantly tell the entire world that quarterback is everything, and if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance, and then not acknowledge that the Jets were playing essentially last year without a quarterback. There's no way to change that. I think the Dolphins, by the end of the year, were playing essentially without a quarterback. But the the Jets were doing it for the entirety of what they're – they lost their last six games of the year. How different would that have looked if they'd had a competent quarterback? I do think there's some happy medium somewhere here. Uh, Y'all know I'm I'm not as high on the Jets as some people, but I think to imply that the Jets are still the fourth-best team in the division doesn't give the Jets enough credit and, frankly, gives the Patriots – Way too much credit. All right. Why Aaron Rodgers isn't the only former MVP who's very motivated to win another one. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's Fitz and Harry's QB of the Day. Home to a place I belong, West Virginia. (sighs) Take me home. I'm telling you, it makes me feel good. Country roads. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. VSBN App Series XM Channel 80. Presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. 
Don't forget tonight, Game 3, Nuggets at Heat. Coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, including a great interview with Nuggets head coach Mike Malone you do not want to miss. You can hear it 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. We got plenty to break down in the game. We'll get, we'll get back to the NBA in a second. Yeah, Harry, Harry's excited. So, so prime example, you just asked me um, a few minutes ago about hearing certain songs mm-hmm. and certain things. What does it do for, you know, people in the black community? Mm-hmm. You seen how excited I got as soon as Country Road came on? John Denver crossover, right? John Denver, John Denver obviously popular in, uh, in the urban community. Very, very popular in the urban community. <laughs> I just like saying the urban community because every time I do it, Devin looks at me with such horror at the way I'm saying it. He's like, I don't think you're allowed to say that. Well, I, you know. well what people got to understand about our show is that we aren't afraid to say certain things. Like, we, we just, we, we speak. Well, we, we don't cross certain lines, no, but no. we... We speak respectfully af- with love. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a fair question to, you know, ask somebody, hey... Is Journey big in the black community? I, I Look, I'll stand by this. This, this is the riveting content you only get on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Uh, we were just talking about Aaron Rodgers, and we were talking about uh, a little bit about what he means for the New York Jets. And in honor of some of these quarterback conversations, I, I think it's time for us to start breaking it down the way only this show can. It's Fitz and Harry's QB of the Day. I just wanted to hear that. That was really fun. Look at that, the QB of the day conversation. All right, Harry, for all the conversation about quarterbacks, there's one that you and I both are high on that we can't, speaking of John Denver, and we can't wait to see him on the field. It's Lamar Jackson. And what we're going to do through QB of the day is we're going to take a look at some of the quarterbacks that look like they could be MVP candidates this year. Lamar Jackson, I know, is high on your list. Yes, he is, because Lamar Jackson, right, you have one question coming into this season. Can Lamar Jackson stay healthy? And I think we both believe if Lamar Jackson can stay healthy for the Baltimore Ravens, not only do they have an opportunity to win the AFC North, they also have an opportunity to potentially go to the Super Bowl with a chance to actually win that Super Bowl. And I want a lot of people to understand and remember this. Two years ago, two years ago when Lamar Jackson got hurt, they were the number one team in the AFC. Last year when Lamar Jackson got hurt, they were the number one team in the AFC North. So... When he's at quarterback and he's healthy, he's been able to put this football team in positions that they haven't been able to keep up with when he's not on that football field. On top of the addition of a Todd Munkin to polish his pass game, also add some you know concepts, some route concepts to the arsenal of this offense for the Baltimore Ravens. On top of signing Odell Beckham Jr., and drafting a Zay Flowers, and Rashad Bateman is going to be back healthy. But let's not let's not forget this, folks. Just because you're going to have better pass concepts, and you have these wide receivers that you're going to be able to throw the football to, that doesn't mean they're just going to abandon the run. That's still a strong point of the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson's game. They're not going to abandon that. They're just going to be able to put Lamar Jackson in better situations when it comes to passing the football. So I think with all those additions. And Todd Munkin is part of that addition. Lamar Jackson is going to have a phenomenal year if he remains healthy and will be up for an MVP award as well. Now, yesterday I mentioned I put a little cash on Joe Burrow to be the MVP. And that cash was at what they say it's called plus 750. So you, you bet 100 bucks to make 750 bucks profit. Uh, on one sports book, I've got Lamar Jackson at plus 
twelve hundred. Mm. So you think about it, you're betting a hundred bucks to make twelve hundred bucks, right? And part of the reason I point that out is because there's value there, but also when people talk about it all the time, maybe it's worth the juice is worth the squeeze. But here's the other thing that I would say, Harry. Realistically, look at the path that gets you to an MVP. You got to be a high-profile player, quarterback, on a Super Bowl-caliber team, the Ravens, and you got to go through a gauntlet to do it, the AFC. That's why, in my mind, while we can talk about the fact that these quarterbacks are going to essentially just eliminate each other throughout the course of the season, I don't think it's that su- that simple. I think, realistically, there's a very real world where all of a sudden you could look at it and say, hey, whichever one of these quarterbacks, and by the way, one sports, Caesar Sportsbook has Lamar Jackson at plus 1,800. So, you know, plus 1,800 out there for them. You look at Lamar, and part of the reason I like this is because, to your point, we were talking earlier about success to certain teams. If the Bengals cut through and the Bengals have a great year and end up winning the Super Bowl, they have the best team of the regular season, Joe Burrow is going to be the MVP. If the Ravens continue the success they've had over the last few years and Lamar stays healthy, Lamar's going to be the MVP. Like, it's pretty easy to look at the AFC and say if you are a young-ish quarterback that has some level of hype to your name coming into the season and there are expectations for your team, you stand a really good chance of being the MVP. All of those boxes are checked off by the Ravens, and I love what you said about the fact that they're still going to run the ball. Even with Todd Munkin as their offensive coordinator, I don't think that there's a quarterback in the AFC that's going to be given more opportunity to run the football and impact the game multiple ways. That helps lead to MVP status. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him in in the MVP race. Well, we talk about the eye test, right? And we look at the schedule of the Baltimore Ravens, and you have the Ravens twice. One of those games is going to be on a Thursday night where the world is watching. You play against Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. Another opportunity that's going to be on Sunday Night Football in front of everyone in the world to be able to see you. You play against Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday Night Football again for the world to watch you. You play against the San Francisco 49ers who had the number one defense a year ago on Monday Night Football. You play against the Miami Dolphins and Tua Tungavaloa. So that's another opportunity. So you have the games. You go against the Detroit Lions who everyone is high on right now, including the NFL. So you have multiple opportunities if you're Lamar Jackson to show and, you know, have the eye test be in your favor if you go out and ball out and win those football games. Well, I love that concept, too, because we talk all the time about the Heisman moment, right? That one moment in a season. Man, if you're Lamar, you're going to have that moment. If you're Joe Burrow, you're going to have that moment. You're going to have those opportunities. All it takes is one big you know, three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns against the Bengals late in the season, and everybody's going to turn around and say, oh, my God, there's your MVP, right? Like, that's the real opportunity that comes. And I will say, I still think having a new offensive coordinator will make early season Ravens almost impossible to defend because we have no idea what Munkin's going to do with these toys. We have no idea how Munkin's going to run this offense. That is a variable early in the season that I think could make them great. And who do they have week two? Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, see, all of it's adding up. Uh, We'll continue to break it down, but obviously heat culture. What is it? Why does it keep working? We'll ask an expert next, Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.